You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. I'm glad you're here, Susie. That sounds really oh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's been um, how many years? Yeah, we... Um, the initial reason why I wanted you on this, because I guess I found out we were still following each other on social media. Because you know how you follow people on mm-hmm. social media and then you forget, right? And then ten years later, you're like, oh, no, wait, literally. Social- I think you saw it like it was like I was I was trying the blue hair thing, and you were like, hey, the blue hair chick now. <laughs> like I don't know, I was on Instagram. And I had a very pleasant experience with you when we shot. Uh, I hope they serve beer in hell. You had a big part, right? I had a small a part. Sm- I had a small big part. Yeah, small, small big small, part. Well, it was just like a whole day. And I was like... Oh, you were one day? Yeah, it was one day. So I was one day too. So we had the same <laughs> yeah, day. So, <laughs> But it was like, it was uh, my... I was a bartender and it was sort of establishing the character Tucker Max. Who, yeah, so let's give people some experience. Because the world moves so fast that now Tucker Max is no longer as relevant as he was. He would was. probably be me too. <laughs> he was... Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, it's possible. Yeah. So Tucker Max wrote a book called "We Got Beer." Called "I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell," which was a great book. Yeah. He. Um. I didn't read it, but he did go to Duke, and I heard all about him. Is that where it, you went? Yeah, that's where oh, I went. Oh, okay. So he went to Duke oh, Law so you School. You met him at Duke. No, I heard stories about him, and so when I you're like, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> he treats women like shit. I'm over. Right. You're a challenge. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Weirdly, like, he was really lovely, um, and then I heard that he, like, is, like, super reformed, like, he's, like, married in a healthy marriage, and as far as I, like, I don't know, the last couple of years, you're Healthy giving- marriage. <laughs> this is what I, like, this was a few years ago when I That's was like, like, oh, what Hitler happened? was in a genocide, but him <laughs> and Ava Braun, they really bonded, and he became a better human, no. Um, I, look, I don't care if Tucker or hears about this, I've, I've, I've already burned that bridge time set but i will say this he is a very um what was your experience (laughs) hold my microphone no he uh so this is how i met tucker max i was doing a comedy show in new york Mm -hmm. it was called bill dawes college night i was a little old to be doing college night but fuck it i was still doing it and then this is 2008 or 2007 right and i was writing a blog and i don't want to brag but i was Mm -hmm. the number one blog on myspace for several weeks (laughs) i think i did a myspace thing i think i was like number one on like the indie whatever yeah, they had like the top 10 block and remember i'd be like sometimes i'd be number one i was like fuck yeah, yeah. and then Bill- and then you can't use it for anything because nobody cared nobody <laughs> at the cared. time no one no one they're like oh, we don't know and i remember at the time i think it was bill maher doing real time when the early season of real time he goes look you're not gonna get a tv show from your myspace blog and i was like it was like that mo- moment in the movie where everything peels back and you're like oh my god yeah what was i thinking i deluded yeah. myself that this was some sort of important career move or was establishing me in the comedy world and then and then now it's like they've learned how to monetize it for instagram so it's like they just couldn't figure it out for myspace yeah except for tila tequila yeah who is now (laughs) i think she's a proud boy now or something she's definitely like a nazi supporting anyway oh my god uh so i invited and i i Mm -hmm. okay so i had to do a rewrite of a movie by a guy named balthazar cormaker because i was i was my side hustle was doing a lot of punch-ups for movies Mm -hmm. and by the way i saw you in sex in the city you were great (laughs) every time like i like (laughs) 
<laughs> it was amazing. That was an amazing, the frenemy episode. It's a good, it's a good scene. It, it's amazing. And it's a good episode. Yeah. It's a good scene. But like, I had like three lines. Um, so who gives a shit? But it's a great credit too. People are yeah. like, oh, Bill Dawes from Sex City. I'm like, yeah. I always feel like remotely embarrassed when they bring that up. Really? Like, he's been on this, this, and Sex City. I'm like, there, who are you in Sex City? I'm like, I had three lines. Don't worry about it. But it was, it was like a scene stealing <laughs> moment. I mean, there was like a whole like blowjob under, under the, the table. table. Yeah. That was that was like a whole. Was that your character? No, my the other, see, the I, other was, guy. I wasn't even the guy who got the blowjob. <laughs> I was the friend of the guy who got the blowjob. You know the scene, the blowjob. That was you. No, I was the guy next to him who was trying to bang Samantha. It, there's nothing about it that has bragging power. Even the name of the role is blonde guy. It's still it's Sex in like, the City. It's still like one of the most iconic I still, shows. I still it's get like a friends. check for like four dollars. I'm like Jesus. Um, so I had to write this, uh, do this rewrite of this movie about. A four-year-old um, comic who had a daughter. Now I, I have a daughter, and at the time, so so I met with him. I did coverage. He liked me. He wanted me to do the rewrite. So I was like, I'm gonna get some inspiration from some books, some comedy mm-hmm. books. So I went to Barnes. Remember Barnes and Noble? And yeah, Barnes I Noble remember thing? that used to be a thing. Now they're all canceled. So, yeah, exactly. So I went to Barnes and Noble to look in the humor section because right. I thought there'd be a lot of autobiographies from funny people, Jay right. Leno, and all these comics. It was all like a hundred ways cats like to poop on dogs. Cats petting dogs, fart jokes in the toilet, toilet fart joke fart. It was like everything was like brightly colored. It looked like a kid's who's, section. Wait, wait, not Jeff Foxworthy, but the other guy who's like, man, like the car. He, he, Larry the Cable cars? Guy? Yeah, Larry, Larry the Cable Guy. Like I can't. Yeah. Yeah, you just, yeah, that was so, that was a good impression. <laughs> so everything was just like stupid, bright colors, or a hundred own ways to fart on a puppy. You know, just like so, so dumb. And then I saw this black book and said, I hope they serve beer in hell. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of all these brightly colored bathroom readers, so I picked it up and it showed Tucker with his arm around yep. the girl with insert, the face cut out. So insert cut your out, face, insert here. face here, and I was like, "Oh, this guy looks." Because and you look at his face right away, you go, "What an asshole!" Like I was never that kid. I was never the rich kid. I was always like kind of white. So I look, I'm like, "Ugh, you're the kid at Princeton that I fucking hated." Yeah, Duke, which is like yeah. the, the shittier version of Princeton. Yeah, exactly. So like I went to Princeton, but I, I came from like a really like rough public school so i get there and everyone's like mm, who's your father i'm like uh, i don't know dave you went to princeton yeah wow you're fancy it's because i'm a genius <laughs> um what'd you study aerospace engineering did you really yeah that's so interesting you want to see my degree it's in, i think it's in that trash can <laughs> right so um hold on i have to we have to like come back to this about how do you go from that to a comedian i'm interviewing you <laughs> after i, I have so many story. questions so i um so I was like, well, this, I go, this guy's an asshole. I turn around and goes, my name is Tucker Max. I'm an asshole. I'm like, all right. He's self-aware. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And so I got it. We don't like I hypocrites. read it we in like, like people two or three days. And I thought mm-hmm. it was f- so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I'd never read anything like it. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it was definitely a different genre of reading. Yeah. It was sort of the nonfiction that was like funny nonfiction that was very unapologetic. It just had its own special kind of flavor to it at mm-hmm. that time this is like 2005 2006 maybe yeah he was he was uh, he was so unabashedly honest and i think like that is really refreshing for everyone when i think we're in the world of right now of hypocrites where everyone's like i'm gonna you know blame you for all my problems and then you're like bitch like what are you doing with your life oh, like you you know you're you're cheating on your wife and do, you know like doing crazy shit yes. and it's like you you don't get to like 
you don't get to be on a high moral ground and and then call people out for yeah. you know doing the exact same thing so it's like so i think you know i think that's always refreshing even if somebody's douchey about it but if they're a self-aware douche yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. Well, we know we know what we're signing up for. Yeah. We know what we're getting into, so it's like a choice of whether or not like we want to participate in that because it's yes. like it's like we're not getting sold like some bullshit story and then you find out it's something else and I think that's why the world is like so mad right now because I feel we, sure. we all feel duped to yeah, a certain exactly. degree. And you if know? you look at the the autobiographies of like leaders and politicians it's like the strength to have courage, the courage to have strength, the ability to lead how to lead with leadership ability. It's all so fucking like pretentious and self-aggrandizing. And this was a little bit different because he kind of shit. He literally shits on himself in mm-hmm. the book, obviously, mm-hmm. and figuratively. Well, so well, it's because refreshing because we're all flawed human beings. So it's kind of like, yeah, I recognize that part of myself. Like, you know. Yeah. So I emailed Tucker and I go, hey, Tucker, I have a really hot show in New York called Bill Dawes Did you College. do that? Did you, do, <laughs> did you actually? In my head. <laughs> I saw Bill Dahl's college. I was like, "Why don't you come? I'll give you a bo- I'll give you, you like table him. service, bottle service." Um, I don't know why I was offering bottle, but I had that type of money at the time. So he goes, "He goes, it's so funny. You emailed me because I've heard about you from several people about your writing." Oh. So then he hired me to be a writer on Rudius Media. That's amazing. So like it's basically online publishing. You read it and then you get a check once a month for seven dollars. You're like, what the? And then fuck? where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> here we go so then he started writing the movie I hope they serve beer in hell yeah. and I, I became good friends with Niels me and Niels are no longer friends but oh, we were good friends I think we're still friends on Facebook and Niels is a good guy I, I yeah, think I like Niels. the reason our friendship had a falling apart I think it just it was complicated but um so he wanted me to get involved in the writing process of the movie yeah. because I've like I said fucked with a lot of scripts I've done mm-hmm. a lot of rewrites so I said cool so I was involved with the first rewrite then they came the second rewrite I mess with second rewrite and they came back with the third one like here's here's a script mm-hmm. and I go this is garbage like you just fucked that's it up that's what I heard yeah you just like the fir- the version before this because Tucker's stuff was it, it, it's a lark it's like hey we're going to the drip we're going to get drunk we're going to fuck and they're going to puke on himself and shit in pants and like hee go home like it, it like that's not trying to be deep you know this <laughs> right. isn't Chekhov you're not doing Shakespeare right so what, what was he trying to like figure out like his childhood so wounding and being like I do all this because of my childhood yeah, wounding so, so it's like a Van yeah. Wilder version of like I'm a piece of shit because my father never hugged so me. So what happens? They got into the hands of someone who wrote for fa- I guess it was someone who writes for Family Guy Zucker Gary Zucker. Okay. Some I don't know who that is. I don't want to talk shit about him. Whoever the person was, they said you the movie doesn't follow the typical three act structure. Mm-hmm. And you need to have more heart and humility and da da da, and um, I was like, no, you you don't. I mean, I get the three act thing, but like, you mm-hmm. don't need to add heart to Tucker Max. It's part of the fun of his characters. He doesn't mm-hmm. fucking have a heart. So, um, and then they changed the script, and I just said, like, he writes for Family Guy. I'm like, I'm like, I think Family Guy's fucking stupid. So, and by the way, even if you like it, it doesn't right. involve story that much. Mm-hmm. It's like very random. Mm-hmm. If it was Matt and Trey Parker, uh, it was Trey Parker, Matt Stone from South Park. I'd be like, okay, well, those guys are story geniuses. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah. They're, they're amazing. So I was like, you fucking ruined the story. I go, I don't know why you'd go with this draft. Mm-hmm. And also involved having sex with a, a, well, for lack of a better word, a little person. Oh my God, I remember Which became that. like the centerpiece of the oh story and a big God. plot device. And it was very weird um, because all of a sudden Tucker goes from being like, a typical male douche to being like a weird fetishist for some reason. Who's no, you know what it was? This is a guy 
I just figured it out. Like, it's like it's like in Wolf on Wall, Wolf of Wall Street when they're throwing a little person at like <laughs> at a the bullseye, the target. Yeah. It wasn't like oh, like this is just a, a quick like flavor of like let's introduce this character about you know freeze frame on this person's face and then yeah. be like this is the kind of parties this is the kind of person this person is and you know has no idea about consequences and just wants to live a decadent crazy life to the point where they're put in jail yeah you know this is kind of like a version of that in like the college frat boy thing yeah same, same thing yeah you know? i guess so just when it involved because even if like they had the little person i feel so weird that i can't say midget but you really can't say midget right it's like I think it's a little person, yeah. It's like, uh, I, I, I ain't touching it. I'm not touching John, it. John Mulaney has that joke. It. John Mulaney has a joke where he goes like, he says midget. And he goes, you can't say midget. It's like saying the N-word. It's like, it's not like saying the N-word because you're saying midget, but you're not but you're saying the N-word. We're not saying the M-word. So it's not the same. Anyway, um, so I felt like the screw the pooch. And then uh, <laughs> on the script, and we'll get to, we'll get to the, the brunt of the story. Right. So then... They decided to make the movie, and they have a big. Mm-hmm. The casting director was who? It was like a big guy. It was like Joseph Middleton. It was like a oh, one of the bigger casting directors in LA. So they had like remember. some heat, you know, because the so book was ago. still on the New York Times bestseller. I think the book was like almost at number one at this point, and it had been on for like three years. It really says about a lot about who we are, you know, which makes sense, like why we elected Trump. <laughs> you know, it's just kind <laughs> yeah. of like just one step away where you're like, oh wow, this says a lot about us and you know who we are, and then you're yeah. like, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, the script comes about. I auditioned for the part of of Sling Blade. Oh, because originally he wanted me to play Sling Blade because I I actually met with Sling Blade, the character, right? In was that Arizona. The Jesse, was that Jesse, Jesse Bradford? Yeah, yeah Jesse Bradford. Okay. So I actually went with Tucker. Me and Tucker were hanging out. He actually yeah. introduced me to jujitsu. No way. Yeah. Now I would murder him by the time <laughs> he introduced me. To but jiu-jitsu. what happened to this whole like? I know here I'm interviewing you, but I'm just going to talk about my <laughs> life. I want to get to the point. Anyway, the See, point this is, is why I want to do a podcast. I auditioned, I auditioned for for Sling Blade, and they're like, maybe you're better for Tucker. I auditioned for Tucker, mm-hmm. and then you know, obviously they're going to go with names, which is what they did. And by the way, Matt Zuckery is the fucking nicest guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of became friends with him. Oh he's my super, god, he's, Jesse's he's fucking. All three of those guys are cool. Yeah, they're so. I love Jesse. So, so um, and he goes, okay, we'll just give you a, a small part, and you can come out for a day. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. So when I got there on the set, and that was when I met you. Yeah. And were we in Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, we were at a bar, and it's really early. And I was like, this is so early to be at a bar. Yeah. And <laughs> everyone, like Jeff and Jesse and Matt, well, particularly Jeff, they were really being shitty to me. Like, I was trying to, like... Wait, who? Jeff Saltz and Jesse and... Wait, Matt? You mean... Matt was... Be- Matt Zuckery was being just kind of shut off. Jeff was being, like, intentionally kind of, like... Oh, Jeff. I remember Stalt, Jeff. Stalt, right, right, Stalt. Right, so, tall guy. And Jesse was kind of being like, but they weren't like, I'm like, hey guys, I'm here in the movie with you. And they were just mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. So I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And then later, Neil's like, hey, come out to the bar with these guys. I go to the bar and Neil's is talking to Jeff and Jeff comes up and goes, dude, I'm so sorry. I thought you and Tucker were like best friends. That's why I just wanted to punch your fucking face. Because every day is a challenge for me not to punch Tucker Max in his fucking face. Oh, because so guilty by apparently, I don't know if you saw this. I didn't see it, but apparently, he was so shitty to Matt Zucri. Oh, plain. I know people don't really hear that much. 
Um, he was so he was so shitty to Matt Zucri during mm-hmm. the, during the filming of it mm-hmm. that um that Jesse and Jeff were like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, hold on. Sorry. Hey just, y'all. If you could just for a second. Hey, let's go. Hi, we're just we're just we're just podcasting over here. <laughs> just sound a little bit if you. Could. Um, so love uh, you guys. <laughs> I do love Thanks. her. She's sweet. My roommate, Mia. She, uh, anyway, my roommate, my neighbor. So, <laughs> um, they all hated him. And they, apparently he was, he was just shit on Matt because he's not a director. That's what I remember hearing is that there was a lot of creative differences. And um, so Bob Goss, is, yeah. he's a director. He's like an old school oh, New York, like right. smoking yeah, indie film director. And he's yeah. taking this weird kind of. That's right. But he got it. And so Matt was just shitting on Bob and shitting on Zucri. And the whole time it became this real big fucking issue. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to kick my ass the whole time, apparently. Wow. And but then, then you patched then, everything up. And they really, yeah, it was cool. And, and then it was, it was cool. cool. <laughs> so the movie happens. I went to a screening in LA mm-hmm. with like my girlfriend at the time and my agent. And they were like, and I was like, yeah, this movie isn't that good. There's some funny parts to it, but it wasn't yeah. great. Yeah. So I don't think about it. A couple weeks later, they're like, do you want to go on the tour bus? For I hope they serve Did you know I did this? What? I no. went on a tour bus rolling out the movie to 30 different cities. I think I remember something like that. And then that. We, we put, I put like their tapes of me online, like fucking with people in yeah. the audience, like hey, waiting y'all. in line for the thing. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was in deep with these guys. Wow. And I remember we got on the tour bus. It was like Usher's old tour bus is all wrapped with, I hope they serve beer in hell. What? It was in 30 hell? days That's and I didn't right. want to go. So it was like 30 days. How much do you want? And I go, let me give them a ridiculous. I go, Fifteen thousand dollars. I would have asked for more. <laughs> I know. I, I would have asked for more. I've been like Maybe, tour bus. I think it might, like, have, I I think it might have been like eighteen. I think it might have gotten eighteen. Yeah, I think it was eighteen thousand. No, that's right. I'm starting to remember all this. But for me, eighteen thousand dollars for thirty days at the time was like you were like doing like and this is the you were like the host. I was host. I was. You in were the, the line. host of the yes yes. yes. So I introduced what the movies. What a weird gig. Such a weird gig, and I was like. Like I don't even know what the fuck I want to do. So again, so the you're tour doing bus, the grassroots tour, yes, yeah, to spread word of mouth. That's so weird because it was a bestseller. Like that, yeah. I feel like there was a lot of things that just kind of went sideways. And this is when I realized. And this is we talked briefly before we started the podcast about Adderall. <laughs> I think that Adderall makes people deluded. I oh. think that Adderall can can. Where's where's the set? How how does that connect? Because I think Tucker was was really fucking popping the Adderall like Tic Tacs. Yeah. uh, Those last few months of the tour, and he started saying stuff where you're going like, like literally where you're going like. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever dated someone and they start saying something. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean. Discard a psychic break where someone's like, uh, "President Putin's talking to me through my tinfoil hat." Oh no, no, no! I've had well, I've I. I, I've dated some guys where I feel like in a psychedelic moment, you know, thought they were Jesus. Uh, well, kind well, of. then I was like, no, no, no. I had a come to Jesus moment. I was like, no, I'm pretty no, sure you, you said, said you were Jesus. Jesus. No, no. I meant like, I mean, like, look, metaphorically, like, <laughs> but I mean, like, I guess in terms of like psychedelics or whatever, you can recognize like the God, like parts of God that exist within you that you can def- like, you can find your divineness of like the things yeah. that are great. You know, maybe like a bad trip, you'll like be like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I am God. We're all God. We're one. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Yes. I, I guess, 
you know, if somebody's on drugs, it's hard. It's like it's. I was just watching Almost Famous, and he's like, "I'm a golden I, I, god." I'm a golden god, exactly. And I'm on drugs. <laughs> By the way, that was good. You actually did the hands and everything perfectly. Um, that's really good. So, um, but so it, it's hard, it's hard to really take anyone seriously when they're on. So drugs, I think he but. was doing a lot of Adderall. Yeah. Because this is how it started. We had the bus, and by the way, all these guys from like Columbus, Ohio, and all these goofy little cities. No mm-hmm. offense, to anyway. And they're and they're hanging out, and they're going like they're like leaving their their hometown. They're going to move to L.A. to be a part mm-hmm. of Rudis Media. They're leaving their girlfriends. They're like, I'm I'm hopping on the Tucker Max train. We're taking over industry. And he he had like a pep talk with I guess there were like ten people on the bus, maybe mm-hmm. him and Niels, mm-hmm. this guy Jeff. Mm-hmm. And like seven, basically people who were like there for free, like selling t-shirts. You know what I mean? They weren't getting paid. So I'm getting paid like 18 grand for this month tour. This is such a weird. And I'm like, this is fucking great for me. But all these kids are like, I'm just here because maybe this will work out. And I'm going, okay. Oh my God. They're the interns with uh, Crazy Carol and the tiger thing where it's like every, no one works. No one gets paid. (laughs) Like everyone just works for free. They have no fucking hand going, I love working with Tucker. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's like kind of the same deal where it's yes. like, no, this is to help you. Yes. I care about you. Yeah. I was watching, sorry, total sidebar, watching The Vow. And like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with The Vow. I've been oh obsessed with that whole con- Can we talk about I'm obsessed this? with cults in general. I mean, I just. We should have a cult podcast. <laughs> I am cults so are the ba- fucking best. Here's the thing. Like, this is. I was like watching the last episode. This past really, Sunday, I saw it this, too. Yeah. yeah, and like just crying. Like obviously, like we you were up late. I was up late because of the the COVID insomnia of like the impending doom of the apocalypse. That's you know <laughs> like always knocking on my like. There was a guy who like tried. So there was a guy who actually tried to like steal some shit and constantly is coming into my yard and stealing shit. And I have to like suddenly be this like pretend to be this like big old tough guy and be like, hey, get the fuck out of here, you know, like re- and he like. But it's constant, like, my cortisol levels are, like, through the roof. Because it's, like, you know, I'm living in Venice, and it's, like, beautiful, like, next to the beach. But But also a little scary. A little I am legend at 8 p.m. It's it's becoming, it's the A little purge. She's going to be in very soon, the purge movie. Congratulations. um, Art is imitating life. Life is imitating art. And it's it's not lost on me that... uh, they literally said right after the election that I think I have to do a photo shoot for the purge. And I was like, I'm trying to get out of here during the election. Cause no matter who gets elected, I'm just like, this tits, tits going to go sideways. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I am trying to, you know, I think it'll go more sideways if Trump's reelected. Oh mi- yeah. A million thousand percent. But it's- I think in buying, you're going to have, you're going to have some fat rednecks with guns walking around, Hey, what the fuck? But like, if Trump gets reelected, it's going to be a coalition of every lunatic on the planet, mm-hmm. yeah, te- tearing down the government. Yeah, I'm a little. I I feel like there's no end in sight where that because I, I just feel like I feel like on either side we feel like we've gotten a shitty deal of corruption. When you start to, uh, I'm a part of this um, group called Represent Us, and we don't care if you're like. Uh, Republican or Democrat or whatever, independent, it doesn't matter, it's nonpartisan, but it's, it's legal to bribe people, like to, to, it's legal, like there's all these things where it's like, you know, lobbyists are like, hey, you're like, you have, um, they're 
they're basically um, paying these politicians to be like, hey, can you speak at our thing? And, you know, like these Exxon or the Koch brothers. And yeah. they're sort of like in cahoots with everybody. And so nothing like Bernie Sanders or uh, Tulsi Gabbard were the only people who are like, we're not accepting money. So we're not bought politicians. Yeah. So I think, you know, the system is sort of rigged, right? You know, and so I think on either side, we're just yeah. sort of like, this is a... The way in which corporate shills we are. So it's like this is like a shitty it's a shitty deal that we're getting. And I think on either side. And so when we see the corruption, we go, it's there. And then, oh, no, it's there. And it's there. And then we're like, wait a minute. Google doesn't pay taxes. Uh, Apple doesn't pay taxes. Everything's offshore money. And then you're like, wait a minute. And so we're all like pointing at these like smaller things when it's this bigger you know, it comes mm-hmm. from the top and trickles all the way down. So that's kind of like on either side, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like it's it's the yeah. house of cards and it's this don't look behind the curtain, you know, man of Oz. And yeah. And it's a weird thing, too, when, it, when you say it's both sides, because if you are a Republican and someone says, hey, look at the corruption on your side, I feel like a lot of Republicans will go, you know, they'll defend it and blah, blah, blah. What about your side? There's a lot of what about ism. But I feel that Right now, liberals and Democrats, I don't think this is always the case, but right now, they won't even look at the corruption. They can't even look at the possibility of corporate corruption. No one can even look at, I mean, I didn't want to go into BLM, but like, there's been proven corruption connected to BLM, and no one, and like, it's too, it, 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 they're so emotionally connected to it, as so Republicans are more like logically connected to it. Liberals We're humans, so- that's, that's the thing that's flawed, is that unless you're really going to look at your own life. This is something I've been really thinking about a lot, that when you haven't healed um, something internally, you're going to project it externally. Mm. So, like, I'm writing a script, and that's, like, one of the quotes that I have in there, and um, I've really just been thinking about that, that, like, we're all flawed as human beings, and I think, like, every single group is going to do corrupt shit because that's just the nature of human beings. Yeah. Like going back thousands of years like it doesn't matter which team you're from or whatever but it brings us like back to the vow like this (laughs) idea of like group identity and being like swayed by believing in somebody where you want to give away your power because you want certainty and you want to heal the trauma of your childhood and you want to feel safe and you want to feel loved and you want to feel a part of something part of something important and big and big and you feel like you're changing people's lives and the people on the right are believe that with all their hearts and they believe that like you know we believe in this and and then the people on the left are like we believe in this too it's the same sort of thing and when you have to actually deconstruct that and start to look at maybe this is maybe this isn't okay like maybe that isn't okay like you know when you when you have to when when people have to accept and hear and listen to one another they have to break down their entire world because like the last episode when he was talking about I don't even know it's like he was saying in the vow that one of the characters he's like I was like I'm one of the people that was like Heil Hitler yeah you know, that he was I like, was telling my them to say Heil Hitler because they followed it because you they don't know the vow it. the vow is about this group Nexium. called Nexium a sex cult founded by this guy called Keith Ranieri who was allegedly one of the smartest humans in the world although that was kind of up for debate whether or not that I mean he was, was definitely really, really smart but he went but he was he, a con man he was a con man who who actually just decided to go out and start telling everyone he was a con man that would go he was a sociopath that would go from company to company and ruin the company and w- word of mouth would spread that this guy was corrupt he wasn't paying people you know things were you know there was like some shuffling of money and then the whole 
company would implode and then he would go on to the next thing and then do the exact same thing and how he would sell it was I'm the smartest man I have the highest IQ of anyone and it was, it was like listed in the Guinness Book of World Records like yeah 245 I think yeah, yeah. yeah it was like 250 yeah really bitch yeah really like that's what you're leading with <laughs> I don't know I'm just like but that's what people at the time particularly they're just like oh IQ and now you look back and you're like oh IQ is definitely like it's biased for a certain mm-hmm. degree anyway so mm-hmm. um yeah, so where you would say, the guy said he was getting followers to say, yeah, one of the quotes from The Vow, I think this is one episode, which I think about all the time now. He says, it's easier to fool someone than to convince someone they've been fooled. And that's a cult in general. It's so much easier to fool someone than to convince them that they've been fooled. Because once you're, like Scientology, the list goes on and on. But you know what? This is This is actually also in in relationships as well so it's like you can get so let's say like let's say you're married to bill cosby <laughs> let's like just give it a like a like a even easier example let's like, say you're married to tucker max you have a child let's say okay so let's say like <laughs> right so like that you know like or you think one way like let's say i had this idea of who this person was and then I find out later that they're not who they said they were. They have been, you know, let's say they were like cheating on me or let's say yeah. they were doing all this like crazy shit and I find out and then I'm just suddenly like, wait a minute, I don't know what my world is. I don't know yeah. who clearly I am because I'm that naive. So you're not going to admit so, it. No, no, no. But what's really interesting is I've, I study like a lot of psychology in, in one of the, and so what like PTSD is, is your encounter with malevolence because you can't quite understand like what that is so it's like when you're when you encounter malevolence you have to question your entire world so like a tiger just you know like let's say a tiger wants to eat you a tiger wants to eat you but it doesn't want to cause you suffering it doesn't want to like labor and like hold on to you and like have the ultimate pleasure and getting like he gets pleasure out of suffering but somebody who looks to enjoy like derives pleasure from your suffering that's Malevolence. Yeah. You know, when suffering doesn't need to happen. So, what's interesting is when it's sort of this like slow drip with Keith where he. He, he suddenly like attracts them and he's like, I'm so smart and I do this and like all what he's saying like makes sense and you're like, wow, like you're really insightful. Yeah. But like those one little phrases and it's just like he takes like these little things that he just pushes the edge a little bit further, you know, and gets your trust, but then pushes the, the edge a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. Next thing you know, you're branding yourself and thinking that like it's it's become it's this mind control. Yeah. Right, that it's It's self-empowerment and I have to deal with my own pain and that's like a very attractive idea. And so it's like, it is really interesting where it's, you can get swept up in this idea of certainty and I want to feel safe and somebody has all the answers because we don't, there's so much that we don't know and there's so much that like we feel so uncertain about, like about everything, like when, you know, like our family's going to die, we're going to lose everyone that we love and, you know, and we have to like wrap our minds around that and we have to we deal with that with with an assortment of ways of like netflix or you know like drinking or eating or shopping or whatever that like looks like or you know so it's like i don't know i'm i'm sort of like (laughs) trying to figure out this whole sort of what that bigger like why i think the vow and the tiger king and like all these sort of things like they're kind of culty where they have this like power over these people mm-hmm. you know where he had this power over these people carol had these this like influence and it's like it's a bit tyrannical like it's not sure. healthy 
And it's like you give your power away because you're trusting them. Yeah. And then um, you find yourself being like, how did I get taken? How did I like this slow drip that happened? How was I so naive to follow this? And now, you know, I have to now you don't know what your reality is. You don't know who people are because you're like, if I'm, you know, you think like, well, it's like, well, I was like helping aid this guy. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, well, I'm a part of this. I'm complicit in this. And so now it's like you have to deconstruct who you are. You have to deconstruct who everybody is. You have to figure out where their malevolence is and their light. And you're like, and it's so confusing because it's like you can see like he's so good at what he does. Like yeah. he's so convincing. And you're like, it's not this like black and white thing, you know, where it's and that's what's so fascinating. It's like the same thing where we're in right now, which brings us back to to, to today is that we're so we've always been so attracted to these ideas, you know, where like a whole nation or a whole country was taken by like somebody like Hitler, where it's like, I have the answer to your problems and mm -hmm. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to solve like there was like um I think people, a lot of people, it was like a pandemic or something. People were getting sick. And so he's like, here, I'm going to create the borders and, you know, stop the sickness and this. And I'm going to stop all the problems. And then suddenly it was like, ha, 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 you're mine. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm so fascinated by that because I think that that's kind of what's happening right now. Yeah. And it's all tied into everything. It's tied into Trump. It's tied into these calls. It's tied into these cultural phenomenon. And it's also tied in to wrap the close. This one loop of our conversation, Tucker Max. <laughs> Because where where is he in the cult? Does he have a cult? Well, because there was a cult of Tucker Max. All these fucking uh. weird incels and guys that followed from Columbus and all these places that mm -hmm. were on this tour bus for free, they were the the cult of Tucker Max. Mm -hmm. And he started talking like a cult leader. He would say things on the tour bus like, guys, and he has a little lisp and his little soft voice. He goes, hey guys, this, this is going to change your lives and this is going to be one of the most important things ever in the history of Hollywood. And I mean, like literally he would say... Wait, this is Tucker? Tucker. Tucker has a lisp? Oh yeah. He has this like little... I, I was like, you should have some speech class. Anyway, he... Um, what? Yeah, he has like a little bit of a lisp and like just kind of... Uh, just like a kind of a weak voice. But he was like all like... I'm all alpha. I'm like, your hands are like little carny, little girl carny hands. Oh, that's hands. so interesting. Like, yeah. So he like, was, wait, wait, wait. From like a, a story point of view that mm -hmm. he has a weak voice. He has a weak voice but I mean, with like, a lisp is that, and small hands. His hands are I, smaller than yours. But do you know what I'm saying? Well, I have big hands. Yeah, I'm like really wide. I, I like, was saying that and I was like, wait, you have really No, long, no, no, no. You have really long <laughs> If fingers. I was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a fat I would palm. be very well endowed. Yes. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> no, but I think that that's interesting that a guy who's wants so badly to matter and, and to be alpha and to be alpha who doesn't have like a strong voice like that's or interesting. Or can really grow facial hair or. No, but you, do you I mean, do you see yeah, the metaphor? Of, of, okay, of course. Cool. It's, it's like everything. It's like, you know, Hitler was the same thing. Like he talked about the master race and Hitler was most likely part Jewish and also, like, he was self-hating. He was just a, yeah. yeah he you know, was his not a physical was, like, specimen, part, to say the least. Yeah. His father was part Jewish. I think. Yeah, I don't know if they know the facts. Apparently, he was a Rothschild, a legitimate child. There's a whole conspiracy theory. I wouldn't like. Deep oh dive wow! That. If we're going down the rabbit hole, well. So yeah, people love the idea of a leader, a leader that you trust. Like like they said last night in the vow, they said no one signs up to join a cult. We we sign up. Because it's good, because we yeah. believe in something. Or you follow someone because you think someone's doing something really cool. Yeah. But you don't it's think, so and then you're true. like, so then all of a sudden to go, oh, wait, I'm in a cult. That's fucking crazy. Well, what's interesting is like, 
like ideally, uh, I can't even say it. God, I'm so tired from all the cortisol levels just coursing through my body in Venice. Um, uh, ideally, <laughs> Ide- I- I- Iguodala. Andre Iguodala, who plays <laughs> yes, for that. Yes, <laughs> that. I'm trying to say ideology, like yes. identity politics, where... Uh, oh, the, it becomes very important, yeah, for people. So the group identity, when the group... I, and I've been thinking about this a lot, like when the group is more important than the individual, because individuals, it, it, like... I just, I, I think I've been trying to... I've been trying to, like, figure out how to, like, formulate this, but when um, I think the group is more important than the individual, then people can blame like, oh, you're a part of that group. And like, so what's happening right now is people go, oh, you're a Trump supporter. You're the devil, blah, 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 blah. Instead of being like, well, let me like sit down with you and figure out why. Like you believe what you believe. Because I have like, you know, my my family's in Utah. And like, I know like some of them I play pickleball with and like they're older pickleball like, pickleball it's like a it's like tennis but on a smaller yeah, right yeah. <laughs> it's because it's huge now i'm telling you it's like the weirdest thing <laughs> but it's like this like older couple and um and who invited me to this game and it's like and they're all really talented but i think a lot of them were trump supporters and i'm just sure and they're really lovely like they're not bad people of but my question is like okay why why do you think that okay like I'm I'm down to have a conversation, you know. Yeah. So I I think when they're suddenly put into this box where they're the devil, where they're evil, or on either side, it's like, hey, you're Antifa, you're yeah. this, you're. That's just not fair because everyone, um, everyone is just. There's so much nuance and contradictions to each person. Um, this is something that's really interesting. A friend of mine who has a podcast, who's uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's amazing, who's become a dear friend. Oh, wait, can you pick that up? You just dropped a name. Did I just? Uh, I did. Okay, I did. Okay, I did. Okay, okay, okay. But he's like, I love him so much. But what's what I really love about it, when I first met him, he was like, how do, how do you, like, what's important to you? Like, how do you identify? You know, like what? And I would like, oh, I'm a human first. You know, like, I guess I'm like a daughter second, um, like, you know, like friend, athlete, artist, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And then woman is like, you know, way down on the list. And I'm like, I don't even, you know, I guess I, I there's so many other things that are so much more important, like their, their, um, like sexual orientation or their race or all these other things tend, you know, can be first. Yeah. So I just think that that's an interesting way to like have a have a different lens to look and so the way that he looked at it, he's like oh well i'm a runner like he was like he's a writer you know he's um a runner and all these other things and but it was interesting because you know i think i don't know if people actually kind of really sat down and thought about like how they identify and why like why is that the most important thing and yeah you know interesting. what i mean I, I thought about this just the other day because how do you identify like how, where do you where are you on the list like where is your list number one wait what uh, stud, stud. Number one. no uh i'll get to that but uh a barack obama's twitter the first thing he writes is father husband i think it's father husband president citizen Oh, cool. And I'm like, like, and and part of me is like, well, are you just being that because you want to show how humble and nice you are? Or do you really first identify as a father? Probably. Yeah. And then identify as a husband. And then I I think it actually might be citizen and then president. So he's like looking at it. I'm a service. I'm in service to these people. But at the same time, I also believe in order to be president, you have to be a megalomaniac, period. As much as 
Trump is an obvious one. I think on the DL and the sneak tip, I think Obama was. You got to be a savage. Yeah, you got to. I be mean, a let, let's beast. like let like if you're dealing with politics, which is the most corrupt. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like they're like I'm, I'm sure there's some people that started out being like, I want to change the world and I want to do good, but a lot of that when I set out to kind of do those same things, I feel like when I'm like, I want to change the world and I want to help people. I'm like, you have to fix yourself first because yeah. it's like, it's like when Elon Musk is like, we got to go to the moon or we got to go to like fucking Mars. Let's figure and out earth first. This yes. is what I'm saying. So I'm like, figure out yourself first. And then once you figured out like all your own stuff, like healed your own stuff, then you can go out and be like, Hey, this, Hey guys, this is what I learned. Maybe this is helpful to you. Like that makes more sense to me i mean obviously like but i do think that when you stay long enough in the circus you become a part of the circus you know and there's no there's no way to separate those things because if everyone is doing corrupt things you can't hold the mark you can't hold the standard that you once could because everyone is playing a corrupt game it's kind of like um uh it's like in um in bike racing, you know, it's like with uh, Lance Armstrong when everyone's doping, you know, yeah. if you can't like if that guy's always going to win because he's doping, everyone else is like, well, sh- man, yeah. we got to make it an even playing field. So I got to dope and I got to. So then everyone's kind of playing the same game. Yeah. Unless you're Michael Jordan. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? There's only one Michael Jordan or there's <laughs> only like one Kobe or there's only, you know. Yeah. I think that a lot of people. Um, or one LeBron. <laughs> one LeBron. Exactly. Yeah. Lakers just one. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, that's fascinating. I think that a lot of people um, don't know. The problem I think is going on a lot is there's there's no tenet that um, there's no set of tenets that that stick as a collective thing we can agree on to move forward, right? I think it's easy to say, well, we should all love each other, right? But even that. Is very ethereal. Doesn't really mean anything. I mean, you go, that's okay. a very Christian belief yeah. of like and I think turn the other people cheek. Can think like we should love each other, but then a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, we should love each other, but we can't fucking love each other with these goddamn cops. We got to burn down the goddamn police system, you know. So there, there is the idea that revolution is a good thing, and that um, insurrection can be a good thing, and that things can be burned down and overturned, and it can actually. Like it's like burning down brush fire, so there's room for growth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I think that that belief system is so entrenched into America as well, because mm-hmm. we're such a, a country of individuals. Yeah. That that there well, the is no. The group has become more important than the yes. individual, which is I think the problem because now it's my tribe versus you. It's just become really tribal. It's become tribal. You know, tribalism. Yeah. And so like when that happens, we're just reverting back to like our savage selves. Yeah. And we're just like, I'm just gonna burn everything down with some pitchforks and it's the purge. But then there are people that then they're given a voice too. And they're like, oh, this is actually a good thing. And nobody it's one of the weirdest things in the world that I don't know why liberals writ large didn't kind of stand up against the rioting. It just I never really got it. I I, I Well but, I mean I so I'm I'm left of center, but I'm pretty much like I can understand both sides of the argument um, within reason. Yeah, you know, or I'm I'm a pretty empathic person, so I can jump into you know spend some time in somebody's shoes, like as an actor, and you're like, all right, well, let me spend like, how did you get here? Like, what led you to these beliefs? You know, on either side of yeah, you know, and they both 
They both want justice. They both want the same things. They both want to live mm-hmm. in like a free country. And, you know, but now there's, you know, there's this weird, I don't, there's this like weird control kind of happening. Like, and, and they're both, they're, they're both kind of doing the same exact thing. And it's like, if you look at like, you know, <laughs> like either side, they're, they're basically like saying opposite things. But doing the exact same thing sure. of like I want to burn everything down, yeah, you know, because I'm not That's getting my way. That's what Trump ran on. It was like the pol- politics is a swamp full of everyone who's holding to some bullshit corporation, and I'm independent. I'm outside of Washington. I can actually fix it. Mm-hmm. And so he represented, at least, I mean, he didn't enact it, but he represented a change from. Well, he was the anti like establishment, but he's like catering to the billionaires. So and it's so kind now, of like, and so now four years it's later, it's kind of like. Like Dave Chappelle said at best, he's like, he's really caring about me. Yeah. So four <laughs> years later, you have like the mirror side with what's going on right now with NTV and Wells is like, we got to get rid of the establishment in different ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this is a, so it's like everyone loves the idea of doing something important. But the problem is, is like what's going to be in place of the establishment. No one's actually talked about nothing, this. Like nothing, I, I, I listened to Joe Rogan and uh, Brett Weinstein and what he was talking about that everyone's pointing at the corruption that they can see you know and missing sort of this bigger sort of thing and um yeah i i think i think i, I had a point now i forgot it <laughs> well i think i think the large this is what i this is what i feel i i've thought a lot i feel like we've been thinking a lot of the same things this is what i think democrats and liberals believe in general that human nature is good and that the potential for utopia is real that we can actually establish something very close to utopia on earth. Republicans believe that human nature is evil and self-interested and that uh, idea of utopia is pointless. That's why younger people believe are usually liberal and older people are Republican because so you're younger, true. you're full of like, yeah, oh my yeah, God, yeah, the world... Yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And then the world like and the world takes goes, a beating, takes Here's the, reality, takes the motherfucker. shit out you're of like, you. You're like, okay, maybe I understand Republicans now. Well, it's, it's somewhere like, in between. Yes, exactly. It's exactly somewhere in between and this is why we actually need both people. So I've, I've studied a lot about this, about, um, about uh, Republicans are high in um, orderliness. So mm-hmm. if you air, like, if you're, if you go too far right, you become like Hitler. You become fascist because everything is very about like order and control, yeah. and like you have a high disgust. And they're also a high in industrial industriousness and high in conscientiousness. Whereas liberals are high in openness. I'm like crazy high in like openness, but I'm also high in conscientiousness. I'm kind of like moderate. Like I'm in the middle of like order. Like like you've been to Burning Man. I've been to Burning Man. <laughs> Been to Burning Man three times. As I was say, three times, but not twelve times. <laughs> not twelve. No, I. Yeah. I, I went. Uh, boyfriend at the time took me, and you know, like I, I definitely had a great experience. I mean, you put me anywhere, I'll have, for the most part, I'll have like a, a pretty great experience. Um, and then I went on my own, uh, the next year, and then yeah, it was great. But I was like, I, you know, I'm good. I've yeah. done it. You know, yeah. like, I feel like I got... You kind of go through the world as your own person, and you see both sides, and yeah, I get it. It's yeah, good. so... As a writer, that's the best way to be, I believe. Well, and so, yeah, I do think you... And so, you do need both people. So, like, 
you know, the creatives were, so the liberals are the creatives and the entrepreneurs and the people who are just have these great ideas, you know, but then, uh, the conservatives are better at like really making sure that that shit gets done. Cause otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, like we get a little too creative and a little like, here's a good one. But the liberals are like the director and the Republicans are like the first AD. Oh my, yes, that's exactly, yes. <laughs> so you have somebody who's keeping We gotta you, keep moving. We gotta keep moving. Next All right, guys, shot. Next shot, next shot. All right, plane. All right, come on, guys. We gotta get the shot. We're losing light. And the reason it's on my mind, because I did a shoot last night where the first ID couldn't show up. So just the DP and the director just- Left to their own I'm like, you're devices. covering like this, like this is a $300 million project. Oh my God. What the fuck are you doing? Oh my God, what are you doing? Which project? No, it's a short. Oh, <laughs> And there was a fight scene that's a page long, and they mm -hmm. literally shot like fucking worm's eye, bird's eye, POV, reverse there was POV, no, there was extreme no, close-up, There was nobody close monitoring that. So I think like here's, here's, here's the problem. He, we've, I don't know, did you see The Social Dilemma? I did, yes. So it makes so much sense when you're just getting reinforced in the echo chamber of whatever you believe. And so I follow like... I, I follow like radically left, like non-binary, like mm -hmm. people who might err on the side of Antifa where then I have like crazy, like repo like who are like really like, like who? stop. Um, I feel the same way. And, I'll, and I, I, I can speak to that as well, but like I, I listen I know, to I've, Ben I've, Shapiro, I've, which oh, a lot of I people do, think is like, <gasps> you listen to Ben Shapiro, but like, I do. He's I listen, a nerd. I, he's funny. And he says I, a lot of facts. I, so I, here's, here are the podcasts I listen to. I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to Malcolm Gladwell. I listen to um, I listen to Winnie Cummings. I listen to uh, God uh, Dak Shepard mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, and then sometimes like and then like Brett Weinstein and um, Sam Harris and the uh, members of the ID. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The intellectual, intellectual dark, dark web, web and then sometimes Ben Shapiro because I've seen him on Joe Rogan and I was like, oh, you're saying some interesting things. I might not agree with you, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, you know, like I don't like some points. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, that's a well thought mm -hmm. thought out idea. But then some other things, I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not dying on the sale, man. Yeah, of, <laughs> like, course, of course. I'm like, that's a little, that's all a the little pro too life stuff. You're like, mm, take it down a notch. I'm just like, so you know, I, I guess where I'm more of like the Joe Rogan mindset, like the female kind of version. Like he's left of center as well, but like he can talk to, you know, whoever, and that's kind of what I'm really interested in. Is like. Is isn't speaking weird, to individuals. Yes. Isn't it weird that Joe Rogan, who is considered left of center, I don't know if he identifies as left of center, but he says that explicitly. Says that. Yeah. Um, well, because yeah, I believe he in, is like, sort of marijuana, been, he's psychedelics. Been, the left has like pushed him into the right. Like the left looks at Joe Rogan as another example of like the white male patriarchy, which has been conflated with republicanism. You know what I mean? We're all going to die. We're Amen. all going to suffer. We're all gonna get a shit sandwich, and you know what? Just matters on uh, like we're we're complaining about the bread and how much like lettuce we're gonna get, you know, on mm -hmm. a shit sandwich. It's yeah. still a shit sandwich. Yeah, like yeah, it's still like. But this is this this is the type of butter I like. I like organic butter. <laughs> Look, this but some people some people just have shit. Some people just are like, here you go, here's shit, and you're like, well, that's not you know, that's not. You're like, man, that's that's not fair, you know. So it's like, how do you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to fix the problems, and here I am, like, going on. <laughs> well, that's why you're here to <laughs> fix the world's problems. Why the fuck Clearly. do you think I invited you? <laughs> no, but it is. Uh, I I do. 
I so the whole social dilemma ideas I do really like to follow. I don't want it to be an echo chamber, and I it's so interesting because it's one important minute, for everyone to know that. Yeah, I agree. But it's so interesting because one minute, like I'll get ads for like you're you know you should vote for <laughs> Trump. The next minute, it's like you need to support the Democrats, me and too. like this campaign is coming up, and I'm like I like that because like Google can't figure me out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? I completely agree with you. By the way, I have a suggestion, what? and I'm going to pause it real quick. What? <laughs> I you're smoking that, a jet. I thought that Susie, because you're such a Rogan fan, I thought maybe you'd want to smoke a Oh, no, I do. Weed with me. I, no, no, I do. I do on occasion. But I'm so deeply sensitive that, like, I'll yeah. start feeling the dark current of this city. And then I'll be like, I don't know, I'm a very empathic person that I'll suddenly, like, become you. I'll be like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> Something happened when you were five. <laughs> like, <laughs> how'd you know? But you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. For me, as a. As an artist and an empath, like whatever somebody feels, like I'll feel like they're happy. I'm like, great. And you know, if they're sad, I'm like, why? Yeah, for sure. So it's it's kind of like hard to manage when I, this is a working theory that I have that when you do psychedelics or when you smoke weed, you, um, so in NLP, which is the thing in the vow that they're Neuro actually doing. linguistic programming. There we go. So which it, is like, if you, this is what I know about it. But I don't know why I'm looking at a camera. <laughs> there's no more camera. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but um, NLP, I would always hear like the book, The Game, which you may have heard about, which is a book about how to pick, pick up, up chicks in yeah. a cool way by magic tricks and funny hats. Um, but they talk about NLP and a lot of it was like, oh wait, yeah, this girl lives below me. So you say, below me and the girl here is blow, blow me, me and then she's like i gotta suck this guy's dick i don't know how much i believe in it but go ahead no it works i took a whole course i took like i spent five grand trying because i wanted so to you were a part of a cult that's why you're so fascinated <laughs> i was a part of what was the program <laughs> no i've done i was okay it's okay you're a perfect cult it's no, fine. No, no, no. we're all friends here <laughs> so here's what happened i was in a really long relationship and it, it had a lot of trauma and it, it was a lot of like how like, long is long nine years ten yeah, years that's, that's a long that's long and so it had a lot of things that i and so during the time like i was watching like tony robbins and he talks a lot about like nlp and i was like i want to better myself and i want to do this and sure. i want to learn nlp and all these different like you know uh all these different techniques and certain different modalities. And, um, and so I was like, yeah. So a friend of mine was like, Hey, I'm taking this NLP course. I'm like, that's crazy. Cause I want to learn it. Cause I had a, I just bought an NLP for dummies. <laughs> so then I was like, I get, I get, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll spend five grand that I don't have put on my credit card and like figure this stuff out. And weirdly, uh, it felt a bit like he was kind of doing the thing of like, I want to pick up checks. So the guy who was like running the it. The guy who's running. Now, what was the name of the program? Doesn't matter. I don't want to. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I don't even remember. You remember. No, because it was like seven years ago. It was very useful to me. You remember the name of the guy? By the way, seven years ago is not long. So you, do you remember the name of the guy I'm who not, was starting the program? I'm not. I'm Will you not, tell me afterwards? I, I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. God, I hate the people. I hate the, the most interesting <laughs> conversations are always after the fucking podcast stops. <laughs> well, so I noticed, like, because I was kind of going through a breakup and he was just like, and he would do the thing. He'd be like, so when was the last time you were sexual? And when was the last time, uh, like, are you feeling sexual now? Like, we'd be at dinner because I thought, like. The like, leader of the program. Yeah. So you're hobnobbing with the leader of the program because that's just who you that are. That being said, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. It is a very, he was very cute. I will say he, sure. was, he was very cute. 
and he was very attractive. And I think like, you know, everyone was going like, oh my God. Everyone had a crush on him, of course. Everyone had a crush on him. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, there's something very like, you know, I don't know. Like if somebody knows a lot of things. Who doesn't want to fuck the cult leader? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like. The problem is, and I, I'm when you say it like that, no one was like, no one realizes. Anyway, hold on, I'm trying go to tell ahead, a story. Ahead. So <laughs> you're doing a bit <laughs> here. We're gonna start going off doing bits, uh, and then we'll forget about. All right. So, so he was. So I was learning these techniques, and but I then because I I learned them, I could then recognize when they were being oh, done to me. Yeah. So it does give you a superpower. So Can you I, give me an example, by the way, of of NLP, like how it works. Other than so, the blow. So how you're how you're how you're um so this is called mirroring so uh-huh. you're going like this and i'm going to lean into you uh-huh. and i'm going to mirror what you do back to me like okay. we're going to mirror each other so if you like and then i might do this and then you might change so there might be a leader and a follower okay. so like i'll start following what you do but then like you know so this is kind of how you can so it's not just words it's also body language everything is is body language it's it's really about what i my intention was to understand myself was sure. to heal this crazy relationship that I was in and trying to understand, you know, use tools because yeah. I wanted to be better as an actor. I wanted to be better, you know, just in life in general and have better, you know, because it was like, oh, Tony Robbins does it. This is great and thinking positive and ba da ba da Yeah. And then what, what you kind of learn is you kind of, you really have to go in deep and like deal with the trauma. You can't just pretend it doesn't exist because it's going to, it's going to like, it's going to come out in like weird ways, like your shadow. Like, I yeah. mean, like Carl Jung like, talks about like, it's, you know, when you repress it, then suddenly it's like, it's going to come out somewhere. So it's like, you kind of have to like heal those wounds, like deal with them. Cause I think what a lot of these things do, they give you the tools to, so there was, so there was something, there was like a technique that you would think of like to try to get into like a peak state. So you would think of a time, like let's say the saddest you like, let's say like somebody had died Mm -hmm. and then you're going to sit there and then you're going to imagine that. And then I'm going to like touch on your like knuckle. And like when you're in that peak state, I'm going to like touch on that point. So every time you touch on that point, you become sad. So it's kind of this like Pavlonian response of like you hear a and that's bell NLP. ring. Yeah, it's conditioning. So yeah. you're being conditioned to be a certain way. Now that's helpful, but that's also very dangerous in mm-hmm. the hands of somebody who has ill. Who's intent. using it for power? Who's which, which most, is a human which, being? Which is which is a like so un, until like they've kind of sorted their own stuff out. Like that's kind of what seems to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I've done a lot of these like different modalities and, you know, learned, I don't know, I had like life coach, relationship coach, I had, I did neurofeedback, which was like, so freaking helpful. Um, What's neurofeedback? So they put like electrodes on your head. Oh, and you can move an object around on a screen, right? Yeah, it's, you learn telepathy. <laughs> no, but so, kind so, of, because so, no, if you your watch, brain fires a certain way, it'll move the yeah. object a certain so, way on the screen. <laughs> so you'll, you'll, so it's like, I, from that relationship and from just like, I think my family, my dad was in like a concentration camp as a child. So that, so with epigenetics that does get transferred to like, uh, there's been studies done about like Holocaust survivors. Now he was, I think. So wait, 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 epigenetics. You're saying that the trauma that your grandfather, my father, your father. Yeah. So genetically passed it on to you. Yes. So they found in or the, just what he his experience so his, emotionally passed on. To so you. they did a study with rats um, that every time that these 
grown rats would smell a cherry blossom, they would get shocked. So they would like smell the cherry blossom. It was like a Pavlonian, you know, thing. They're like, hey, you're going to get shocked. So the offspring, um, they did an experiment to see how the offspring would respond to the cherry blossom and they immediately would run away. So there is... But it wasn't when the rats were pregnant. No, it was when... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That part I don't know. But I do find that that's really interesting that that... Your, I mean, like, think of from an evolutionary standpoint of view where it's like how, you know, we have to survive. Well, evo- so, evolution what, however, would look the opposite of that, right? What? Evolution says that nothing can be passed down genetically except through mutation and genetic coding. So there's a whole thing about like Lagrangian evolution, which was oh, Lagrangian really? revolution where like, like giraffes have long necks. And the theory was that. Because they need that, to reach the trees, so that they would actually like grow. They would grow their neck to reach the trees, like mm-hmm. so. They would, each generation would grow their neck a little bit fucking mm-hmm. longer, mm-hmm. and that was kind of very popular. At the time it was shot down. Now Darwin's like, no, it's basically like we just kept mutating, and that's why it took millions of years. Well, I think there was a Harvard study with with Holocaust survivors and uh, their offspring and how they were experiencing the same sort of symptoms that their parents... And that might just yeah. be from, from... the stories and knowing what they the, went well, through. Well, a lot of Holocaust survivors don't talk about those things. That's, That's the interesting thing. But it's the mannerisms in which they exist that might... Like, my dad was very, like, particular with food. Like, I couldn't eat off his plate. We're, we're, oh, we're in a country wow. club with a with a... With a waterfall pool. And yeah. I'm like, Dad, can I? And I tried to gazpacho? eat off his plate. Whoa, Jesus. He literally like tried to attack me. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, he's like, I was starving in the war. I was like, what war, Dad? <laughs> what war? What war are we in? And then years later, I figured this out. I didn't, you know, I was a kid at the time. And then I'm interviewing him, like this Duke project that he's telling me, you know, and he's crying and he had repressed all this stuff and suddenly, you know, my mom and I are hearing about it for the first time, but it's on camera from my Duke project in wow. front of my professor. And he's telling all these crazy stories, how his family was held at gunpoint. So I just, from like a rational standpoint of view, like there's no way that that doesn't get somehow transferred to the offspring in some form. Well, the way that you could really tell would be if, they had the kid or the kid was up for adoption. That's really the only way you would have a, could use like a double blind That's study. True. That's Am I true. using double blind? <laughs> <laughs> because if, the, yeah, then if they were adopted and then all of a sudden they ran away from cherry blossoms or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or they heard like electrocution, they like freaked out. I don't know. I think like I get it and it makes sense. It's probably true. No, but I mean, for argument's sake, it's like, we don't really know anything, but this is like, you know, the scientists, these are their, they've done studies and, but do we really know, do we have enough studies to show that? So why is, so this is all going back to why you banged the teacher at NLP. I no, never banged, we ne- okay. never even kissed. <laughs> First of all, I was like going through, well, I was still like. By the way, I wouldn't blame you. I, I just hearing about him, I kind of want to bang him. <laughs> It never happened. He, but there was a weird emotional relationship that developed with the guy. It was the same sort of thing that I think these women. Um, I can recognize that because I go, oh yeah, this like I want to feel safe. I want to have an answer to my problems. Yeah, I want to understand like like all these like yeah. all these you know very inspirational people, and you're like, yeah. you're so great. You have all the answers. I want to have that too. Like, because it's like. When you feel like there's people that have all the answers, 
you think like, oh man, you know, they figured out life and like I, don't I can do my own I don't work. have to do my own work. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to like go through life and, and so I think that that's a very attractive idea when people have a lot of certainty. And it's like a certainty about nothing, but you know, it's this illusion because no one really knows anything. I mean, we, we're yeah. just we're just doing our best guess. Yeah. You know. And so you follow a lot of people. Some people really like to follow a guy. It's usually a guy, by the way. Well, because they're the most savage. Because they had yeah. to. They have to protect. They have to, like the wise. You have like the wise king, and then mm-hmm. you have the tyrannical king. So I think like we think, oh, yeah, no, that's the wise king. Like he knows so much and he earned his hierarchy. And, you know, and then you're like, oh, wait, you're actually Scar. You're not Mufasa. Here's the thing. A couple points I want to make. And I'm a little stoned. Mm -hmm, So I'm not mm -hmm. firing as fast as you are right now, Mm -hmm, Missy. mm -hmm. A couple things. And we got to touch on this. The problem, I think, is it's the ring of power. Mm -hmm. A human can't wield the ring of power. Any human. Liberal conservative republican absolute democrat power corrupts, absolutely you give, yeah but even more than that like because that that shows like a progression of time like it'll corrupt them absolutely i mean you're given the ring of fucking power we do not know how to handle it responsibly there are some people who can come close to it that's why we need checks and balances that's why we yeah. should that's why we don't have like kings and queens anymore because that got pretty tyrannical and then we're like oh yeah you're just throwing off our land and buying yeah. everything up and but uh, history repeats itself, so of I kind of feel like we're heading towards that again. Because there's always, like, revolutions happen, and then yeah. revolutions are this young group, and the young group comes around, they, they overturn the old, awful group, and then mm-hmm. now the young group becomes the old, awful group, and they have to get overturned, and it's like, people think we're at that place right now with democracy, because if you look at the history of the world, mm-hmm. it's always a cycle between autocracy and democracy. It always goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. We make it seem like the U.S. is the first democracy that's ever existed in civilization. So fucking not true. Mm-hmm. And we look at it as... Rome as, fell. As it this, was possible. It was the, yeah. the greatest empire, and yeah, and we we're at, headed there. We, we are and we so think that we're headed like, there. Oh, we figured it out. Look at these other countries, <laughs> but we figured out. We know. But the truth is, um, there's a lot of scientists and social anthropologists who are saying that we're moving towards a, a complete revolution in the U.S. in terms of changing over to a completely different form into autocracy, because no matter which way it goes, it's going mm-hmm. to be autocracy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like we're already almost there, in a yeah. weird way. It's just the fact that we have a two-party system that is. I don't. I don't like the whole two-party system. It doesn't give us enough enough options. And I think this was interesting. I was watching another. I like to watch documentaries and lots of podcasts and be Me informed. Too. <laughs> Me too. We're so, like brother and sister. <laughs> I was watching this. Uh, I forget what it was, but it's a recent one, and it, it was talking about how. I mean, this is going back to the 1920s, 19, like right before when everything, um, so you had, you had, it was like the, uh, you had the first world war and I think we were in kind of shambles. And so then I think like the billionaires were like, Hey, we're going to pay for some shit. And then people went kind of, and then we got back on track and then, um, the 1920s we went a little crazy and decadent and there was no mm-hmm. regulation in the stock mm-hmm. market and we we're just like great sex drugs rock and roll woo like you know we're just gonna you know just go ape ape shit and then um and then uh and then like we managed to kind of and then there was like another war and then wait we had the crash because there was no regulation because mm-hmm. of you know but then we had a war and then we had a really strong middle Luckily, class. Luckily, we made some good money from that war. <laughs> oh, God. World War II is sweet for the pocketbooks. I feel like that's 
that's a big reason why we have them. Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean it was really just, the post the post war boom. It's yeah. So the added benefit was women were now in the workforce because we had to like take care of jobs. We had to work. And so um, that gave us opportunity for the first time to not just be taking care of kids, but we were like, okay, we're going to start working. And then we had a really strong middle class. And then I think it was in the 1990s when I think it was the Clinton who took off the regulations again. And then we've been on this kind of like, <laughs> where it's it, and it's and it's what what happened was democrats used to be about taking care of the middle middle like middle class and mm -hmm. like the the little guy and then um it slowly started to be about the democrats were more about big business and taking care of like exxon and the Koch brothers needs and all this other stuff and then yeah. so there was no more of uh, there was no per and then you have like you know the Republicans who already take care of big business they're like we're big business we don't yeah. give a shit about the environment and like yeah. you know fuck you puppies and, and there was kittens. something refreshing in fact that we knew that like <laughs> oh that's just the Republicans right and so now it feels like it's big business with big business because now it's all about hey let's do some private talks um, let you know it's like you know, I'm going to cater towards like the big businesses needs and Wall Street and whatever and screw the screw, screw the little guy. Mm -hmm. And so now, of course, we're all angry and pissed off and wanting to institute the purge. And so everyone's like, we don't know where to put the blame on. And it's sort of been this like, well, they were making money and they felt like it was it was supporting their bottom line. So now you have like this really like extreme version of like wealth and extreme version of poverty. I mean, the homeless situation in Venice is, is you know, it's, All over it's, LA, so, yeah. it's so 60, sad. 60,000 in LA. Homeless it's crazy. People? Yeah. It's crazy. So like there's a big exodus happening in, you know, in California and New York. So I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to tell you, but it is interesting that I do feel that. Move to Austin with Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's whatever. A lot of people I know are moving there. Yeah, I know. Like that's I, I, the that's like the new that's the new hub. I are was you? like, no, and then I'm thinking about like, why am I saying no? First, I was like, no way, and now I'm like, wait, why am I saying no way? So I am, but I am, I am very much about you know the little guy, and because that is important to have a middle class, and it's just I, I don't I I don't know where we're headed. So I you know when watching also the the social dilemma and just seeing how it's an echo chamber and whatever you believe you're not seeing a counter viewpoint it's just confirmation everything's confirmation. confirmation bias so now yeah. it's like so now literally everywhere you go everything you see it's just reinforcing you know because everything is now digital so it's just like this reinforces my belief this reinforces mm -hmm. my belief which makes you even more like so against and they're only going like, to show you things that will reinforce your belief right and then that's that's a problem because now it's like anyone if anyone tries to challenge you, like I guess I'm because I'm so high in openness that I'm I like to be challenged. I want to be like, all right, maybe I am wrong. Like, maybe I don't know because like we don't. So, yeah. you know, I think that's kind of like a healthy way to be. And then, you know, some of the things that you have really, really studied, then you're like, I think I kind of like I know a little bit about this. You know, you can, you know, but it is kind of dangerous. So it is like if you don't have a, a, a balance, then it, it can it can, it can, it gets dangerous and here we are. This is where we are in 2020. Yeah. It's funny because the producer of this podcast is, he's very Bernie bro. He's very like, we could just do this and your basic income. I like education. Bernie. I met him. Oh, he's I, wonderful. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I love it. Yeah. But, but Bernie subscribes to the belief 
that human beings are capable of a utopic society. And the truth is, or even even communism, socialism, any that didn't end well. Hundred yeah. hundred million deaths. Because at the end of the day, as much as the idea of like we're all cooperative, working together, it really it kills the individual to a point where. Um, you have people who are cowed and people who are making a fucking ton of money on the DL. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I just think it's human nature. You can't, you can't look at someone and figure out if they're an mm-hmm. evil piece of shit or not mm-hmm. until it's too fucking late. Malcolm did this. Malcolm had a book called Talking to Strangers. Oh, yeah. And that you can't figure out who's lying and who isn't. So even though like, so on paper, if you didn't know the person, you had a better time figuring out just by their patterns yeah. of like just pure science of just being like, I'm not going to take the person. I'm just going to look at this, that they found out that uh, literally you, you might as well just like, th- you know, throw darts at like wherever. And like that's y- no one knows. So yeah. we, we think we do all these, you know, scientific things. And and yet um, it's it's pretty like 50 50. Yeah. Now, Susie, I want to keep talking to you, but we have to wrap this podcast up because <laughs> it's getting like Rogan Lane. <laughs> I could talk forever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great. But here we are, like, I don't even know who Susie Abramite is. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So well, I will just say this because okay. um, you, you, you are an actress, writer, producer, mm-hmm. thinker, obviously. I like recent insomnia. I like talking ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and you will have a podcast called. I feel like it would be name if, the name if right I did. Now. If I did, it would be called the Human Experience. The Human Experience. Because a little close to the Joe Rogan I experience. I like it. I like Joe Rogan. Okay. I like him. The Human Experience. I, well, the Human because I really thought about this that if I ever did because I really like talking to people and I really like to know like I don't care about whatever you are. I just you're human. Like that's the first and most important mm. thing. And that to me, it's not about like I, I want to find the out. Abro Mighty Truth. Well, I want to find out. <laughs> a little pun. <laughs> I want to find out like what's going on in there, like what's yeah, under the I hood, agree. I agree. and like it's best. what's the human experience. I think that's because the best actors are like that. Yeah, be- because I think like we're a lot closer. Like um, whatever, whatever boxes, whoever you are, and however you identify, we're so much closer to like each other than than not. We I agree. pretty much want the same things. It might look different you know so i think like i I do what i would want to explore would be like their own human experience yeah interesting yeah um and where can people find you like what do you you, first of all you have the movie the purge that you shot i you shot it shot the purge it was awesome it was coming out it was not till next year uh it was supposed to it was supposed to be here this summer but then it got pushed because of covid and then by the way that's a good sign that means they yeah. believe it's going to do really well. Yeah. Because otherwise they'd be like, oh, fucking yeah, yeah, put it on, put on streaming. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Hulu, fine. Although Netflix, like they, those movies do pretty well. Um, they do great. Blood I, I kind of would have, it would have been really great timing I know, during the summer. The it would have been, man. During the fucking quarantine. Yeah, oh my God. But so the, um, yeah, so I feel really excited. I had like such a fun time doing it. I got to, you know, um, I got to shoot these like real guns. I mean, it was like blanks in them, but like but, machine yeah, guns, yeah. like big old, sure. you know, which was so cool. Where'd you shoot it? Uh, we shot here. We shot in the desert. Mojave? We, I, it was like, I don't know, like somewhere obscure. Cause I'm like shooting in, Mojave like next week. And so I was like, maybe oh, it's maybe. the same place. Anyway, go ahead. Maybe. And then we shot uh, on the universal lot and there were these like huge epic 
Michael Bay sets. I mean, actually, Michael Bay's producing it. So you have all of Michael Bay like doing these crazy stunts. And I'm just, you know, it's like they were, it was such a. Did you get to do stunts? Like fly through the air? Mm. After explosion? <laughs> I don't think I could talk too much, but I, I don't, I, I oh. didn't get to do like crazy, crazy stunts, but. Um, there were some really crazy things happening and I was just like, I filmed it. So I'm like, I probably like shouldn't say that, but, <laughs> but it was like the coolest thing ever. And like, so when it does, like after it comes out, whenever that happens, it was like the coolest yeah. Michael Bay. Is it your biggest film that you've done? I mean, not as big as I hope they serve Baron Hall, obviously. <laughs> um, I did do uh battle Los Angeles. That was a big, like, oh, that was a big film. Was it, Who that was, was also, that again? I think Michael Bay, or was Michael Bay like one of the producers on? I think it was uh, Battle Neil Moritz. Los Angeles, I remember. Neil Moritz. Um, yeah, that that was a big alien invasion movie. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get to experience like any like the big crazy like stunt kind of thing that I get to experience in this. Yeah. But the other big movie that I am going to do hopefully soon in a couple weeks is working with Will Smith Whoa. on King Richard. It's uh, the Serena Williams, Venus Williams story like about the father. Oh. Like he had a book. Um, about he, so here's the story about this guy is I actually met cause I was like a former tennis pro. So like oh, I, man. um, grew up in this world of like crazy, you know, junior tennis and the script is just so on point of capturing like the angst and just like, it's being like a, a stage kid. You know, kind of like, you know, a tennis kid is kind yeah. of the same thing, similar to like, you know, one of those like little... So it's like toddlers and tiaras? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was I was 12, you know, it, like this is like, you know, it's like it's around age 12, but it's the same kind of idea of being like a child actor where it's all this pressure. You're dealing with adults and like it's all these adult problems. And so and they capture it. The script was so beautifully done. And um, the thing about Richard Williams is he said, I'm going to have two girls before they're even born. He's like... He, he went to his wife and he was like, we're going to have two girls and they're going to be tennis champions. They're going to win. They're going to be number one in the world. One and two, you know, both of them, blah, blah, blah. He said this before, like, this is the craziest shit. And the wife corroborates this? The wife is like, oh yeah, he said that. Or is he just like, man, this he, is But no, I but here's the, here's the crazy thing. He already, he, like, you follow his story. He already believed this. He was, he was already saying this before they proved anything. Wow. He, he was already saying this, like, you know, forever. You know, and so he was trying to like his journey was to try to keep sanity and, and keep the balance of uh, these kids' lives because he could see what junior tennis does to you and how it like erodes. So the he's soul. a hero in this movie. He is. He's an unorthodox hero of yeah. trying to like keep their integrity, keep their sanity, keep like what's important in life. And it's like it's a really you know it's it's the hero's journey. Yeah, that's awesome. And like Will Smith is. Uh, I love Will Smith. That'd be a dream, yeah. Yeah. Well, Susie, you're awesome. I'm you're so glad awesome. you came. I Thank don't want to keep going because um, it's going to be like way too long. <laughs> but we can talk about anything. <laughs> um, so, where can people find you? Because you're you're fascinating. You have tons of ton. You're huge IMDb resume. You have tons oh, of movies yeah. and stuff to watch. So, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, right now. I don't I don't have a podcast. Maybe one day. Um, but you can find me on Instagram, just Susie Abermite. And my last name is kind of spelled kind of weird. It's A B R O M E. I'll have it listed on yeah, the title. So Susie Abermite. Find, um, find me on Instagram. Come say hi. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you.